Blog Talk Radio. Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. NASCA is a 501c3 nonprofit, and I'm going to read their mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And welcome again to SCAN radio show number 3299. It's Thursday, and so... We're having a Q&A call-in discussion. We do on Tuesdays and Thursdays with a survivor professional. We feature a survivor professional co-host who will field topics brought to the episode by you, the listener. And that means you have to call us so that you can bring us topics. And the phone number for you to call is 646 595 2118. I'll repeat that. 646 595 2118. Give us a call and Victoria will answer the phone and welcome you into the show. And so tonight's um, special co host, Survivor, Pro- sorry, Survivor Professional 
co-host is Monica Boglin from Pulliup, Washington, a survivor of sexual, physical, and emotional child abuse. Her predators were all family members, and her parents were intent on passing on to Monica the behavior that their parents had done to them. She also has lived with lupus since she was 29, a painful autoimmune disease that has long been linked to adverse childhood experiences, ACEs. Monica became a life coach and a therapist, and she notes, I finally found a way to forgive the unforgivable and to firmly keep anyone and everything harmful out of my life. She's earned her master's degree in metaphysical science and counseling and is well on her way to earning a PhD in the same field. I hope to further use my story as a way to become of service and to help those along the path to their own healing because I now know that hope and help are available. And that was Monica's biography. And I see that Monica is not yet on the telephone. Mm-hmm. I can give her a text. I will give her a text. And Victoria, would you like to take over for a minute while I do that? Sure, I can do that. Um, welcome, everybody. Um, and uh, at uh, NASCA. Um, we have uh, 42 different programs on our website, and uh, we have a wonderful website at NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org. And there's um, so much information that uh, it's, it's hard to go into it all. And we um, have uh, Minnesota Ambassadors, which I'm one of the Minnesota Ambassadors. And then we also have... Um, um, different programs by state and you click on your state or country and then you can go to a particular city or, or however your country is uh, set up and um, there's different services for adult survivors of child abuse so there's a whole bunch of um, ways to get help and here at NASCA we as in the uh, mission statement we have many uh, ways of healing and uh, and there is no right or wrong way to heal. Um, and we like to have people come on and tell their stories on Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday nights. And if you'd like to do that, you can go to the website and you can see our calendar and see which days of the week are available. And uh, I think it's uh, Penelope that's in that. But you could see an email on there and just write to them and pick a, pick a day or two that you want and would like to do it and uh, let them know, and we'll get you on the show. And it's not a real um, detailed uh, thing that you have to do to tell your story. You could just come on, and uh, we'll help prompt you. Um, it's kind of, uh, well, I'm in the AA program, and when I tell my story, I break it into three parts, experience, strength, and hope. So like my childhood, and then um, how I survived it, and uh, the hope is, um, not only the hope for me, but the hope for other people. That um, just the fact that we survived is is such an accomplishment that we need to give ourselves credit for. Um, and and that's the beginning. The beginning is recognizing 
that um, that you've been hurt and that you want to get better. And uh, once you uh, have those two things, you're well on your way. And uh, once, you know, you begin your healing journey, I have a life today that I could have never, ever dreamed of. And um, I'm hoping that for all other survivors, I want you to all know you never have to be alone again because NASCA is here. And uh, we have what we call a NASCA family. And it's anybody that wants to be. You know, we couldn't pick, pick our original family of origin, but uh, you can pick the NASCA family to be your family. And uh, we really want um, anybody that would like to uh, find out more about child abuse in all its forms um, to get in contact with us. Um, we want to keep these conversations going. Uh, a lot has changed and a lot hasn't. And uh, this is what we're here to discuss. And we have these discussions, whether it's with the survivor professional or uh, amongst ourselves with a topic. And like Annie had mentioned earlier, or topics that you'd like to bring up. So if we don't have a guest. And uh, I don't know if our, uh, Annie, are you back? I am. I'm here. Oh, okay. Okay. And Monica did that... respond, so I think we okay. should not count on um, a guest tonight. Okay, Except that's for fine. Philip is here. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip, yeah. let me turn him in here. Let's see. Hi, Philip. Hello, Annie. Hi. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about tonight? Resentment. Resentment. Just anything, anything you'd like to uh, bring up or anything that you um, think would be interesting to talk about that has to do with child abuse. Resentment, he said. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed Did you hear me? I'm sorry. I got, I got my dogs in uh, uh, the background. I've got six puppies that I'm also dealing with. So just so you know, if I go away for a while, <laughs> that's the reason. I've got my two dogs and my puppy, so I got an issue here. <laughs> I won't tell you because it's Jackie. <laughs> so, yeah, I can hear you at all. Well, Philip has the idea of a topic resentment. I think that's a great idea. And I can go ahead and just and just address it from the top of my head because I don't have anything prepared for resentment. But um, I had a really big problem with resentment for a long time. It, it really clouded my relationships because I resented a lot of people even if they hadn't done anything to me. I, why did I resent them? I think... Mostly, I was jealous of people who had good lives, and so I resented that I didn't have one, and I was resentful. Because um, back in the day, back in the day before I was, um, before I got better, and so yeah, resentment isn't really a big part of my life now. Um, I I got better. It took me years. I got better from going to face-to-face meetings with other survivors and also doing telephone meetings with other survivors. And now they have Zoom meetings even. 
Um, that was the key to my getting better, I believe. And do I have any more resentments? Sometimes a little bit, yeah. It's it's when I have an expectation of something and it's not met and then I resent that it's not met. But really, I don't really have any right making those expectations in my brain. I shouldn't be expecting things because it's just going to lead to resentment if it doesn't come true. And I'll pass it over to you, Victoria. Did I make any sense? Yes, it does. And um, I just looked um, up, um, Googled it, um, and it's uh, resentment. It's um, indignation at having been treated unfairly. It says, what is the true Uh. meaning of resentment? Resentment describes a negative emotion, which I don't like saying positive or negative on emotions. I, I, you know, I don't like leaving them positive and negative. Okay, so an emotion, uh, emotional reaction to being mistreated. There is no one cause of resentment, but most cases involve an underlying sense of being mistreated or wronged by another person. Experiencing frustration and disappointment is a normal part of life. And then um, it says, uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, Let's see. Um, it says, uh, what emotion is behind resentment? Resentment, also called ranklement or bitterness, is a complex, multi-layered emotion that has been described as a mixture of disappointment, disgust, and anger. Other psychological psychologists consider it a mood or as a secondary emotion, including cognitive elements that can be um, elicited in the face of insult or injury. Um, let's see. Here's um, here's uh, uh, signs of resentment, anger, frustration, hostility, bitterness, hard feelings, uneasiness. When these feelings become unbearable, they can lead to resentment. And then we have... Um, under good uh, therapy, it says, resentment is often defined as anger and indignation experienced as a result of unfair treatment and it's a relatively common emotion. Those who experience resentment may be, have feelings of annoyance and shame. They might also have, mm. harbor a desire for revenge. A person may become resentful as a result of slight injustice or grave one perhaps harboring the same bitterness and anger over a small matter as they would over a more serious matter. What is resentment? Feelings of resentment are not linked to any particular mental condition, but may instead result from the inadequate expression of emotions after a painful experience. They may come from a true imagined or misunderstood injustice. A careless comment made by a friend could facilitate indignation and grudgeative feelings as could criticism from a boss. Resentment can also be broad and applied to large groups of people, often with drastic consequences, for example, racism and religious persecution, often development for deep-seated resentment. A person experiencing resentment may feel personally victimized, but may be too angry or ashamed to discuss 
the resulting emotion instead of allowing the grudge to fester and be expressed in the form of anger. And so it's really important for us to talk about these things. So signs of resentment can appear in many different forms. Some signs you may be harboring resentment are including uh, continual or reoccurring feelings of a strong emotion such as anger when thinking about a specific inner reaction or experience. Inability to stop thinking about the event that triggered the strong emotions. Feelings of regret. Fear of avoidance or conflict. Tense relationships. Feeling invisible, inadequate, or less than. The resentment can be fleeting, dissipating when someone realizes an event was misrepresented or receives an apology from the person who committed the offense. It can also be a persistent emotion. An individual may hold on to negative feelings, revisiting the disgusting event again and again and become unable to let go of the anger or a desire for revenge. In this instance, resentment may come to affect the individual's mental health. And then it says um, resentment and mental health. Okay, because resentment is a common emotion. Most people experience a general feeling of anger, annoyance, or unfair treatment at some point in life. But problems can arise in a person that is unable to forgive. Persistent resentments may stem from a serious matter. For example, a person might understandably uh, resent a parent after years of abuse and become unable to uh, look past any injustice. Um, However, when a person begins to feel like the victim in every negative situation, they may develop an altered perception of reality and find it difficult to see any positive outcome. Developing an inability to move on or forgive is considered an important aspect in overcoming resentment, as it is acknowledging the feelings underneath the resentment and facing them one at a time. Resentment can intoxicate a person as feelings of anger and rage lend a false sense of power and do not always encourage a healthy form of expression. But this intoxication can become dangerous, as any intoxication can, when feelings of resentment grow unchecked and into hatred. It might, my grandma say, hate's a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I want to read this place. Um, um, resentment in relationships. It is not uncommon for resentment to build up in intimate relationships, especially long-term ones. Some common causes of resentment in relationships include keeping score. One person in a relationship feels they're constantly doing all the heavy lifting in the relationship, housework, child care, being the primary breadwinner, or initiating emotional connection and intimacy, to name a few examples. They may begin feeling resentful towards their partner. Um, The next is unbalanced power dynamics. If one partner in a relationship feels constantly overpowered, steamrolled over or unheard, they may begin to harbor resentment. Health or medical issues. When one person in a relationship is diagnosed with a chronic crimes or chronic mental or medical health issue, this may mean the partner will begin to take on the additional role of caregiver. Over time, being a partner's caregiver can cause some to feel resentful, especially if their own needs are not being met. Hurtful words. The longer a couple spends time together, the more likely one of them may be to say something that's perceived as hurtful to the other. Couples who don't communicate openly 
when uh, they feel hurt by their partner may have a higher chances um, of feeling resentful. And um, if it is left um, uh, left to bubble under the surface, resentment can end relationships. Those who feel resentful towards their partner may find that talking about what's bothering them, no matter how minor or petty the issue may seem, can reduce the resentment they feel and even deepen their connection. Couples who find themselves unable to let go of resentment may learn how to communicate about the feelings in couples. So this is talking about, you know, relationship, which in abuse, obviously, is a little bit different. So um, I don't know if we can want to talk about that. What I've already read of what oh. is resentment. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll respond to what you said. I I heard a few things that sounded like me, and um, I am the person who collected resentments about little things and stored them up and kept score about them, and finally I exploded and it communicated about. <laughs> all the things that I had been storing up, um, and that did end the relationship temporarily. It didn't end it for life. It just ended it temporarily, So, which is what I wanted. So, yeah, that's me. That's, I'm that person. I hopefully am not doing that anymore. Um, I'm single, so I don't have a significant other to resent. And... Um, I can't think of anything I'm resenting in my life right now. I'll watch out for it, though. Um, Let's see. Yeah, that's all. Thank you. And let's see if Philip wants to talk about resentment. Philip, would you like to comment on what we said or anything? Um, Yes, as far as resentment and having resentments towards people go, I have a resentment for everybody in my life up until I was like 20 years old and then after that I'm grateful for everybody new that's in my life. Wow, that sounds like a great shift over. What was it that cha- that caused the change? Um, a lot caused the change. It was volunteering a men's class, um, moving out on my own for a while, um, starting a business, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, wow. Those are a lot of important steps that you were taking. <clears throat> oh, I just got a text from Monica. She cannot speak because her throat oh. is bad. Oh, so, goodness. yeah, she's goodness. ill. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I found another... Um, thing on the Beaches Therapy Group and um, on specifically childhood trauma and internalized anger. It says, attachment trauma and self-esteem. Are you harder on yourself than others would be? For many, self-judgment happens so automatically that they hardly notice it. This tendency may be linked to attachment trauma you experienced in childhood. When attachment figures, parents, caregivers, deny kids the space to express angry, confused, or negative emotions. They internalize those emotions as a coping strategy to survive. 
The end result of childhood trauma in internalized anger is criticism, shame, and low self-esteem. Many adults today grew up being spanked, hit, accosted, put down, sent to their room without dinner or worse, all in the name of discipline. Thankfully, times have changed, and that was acceptable a generation ago, but no longer is. We now recognize corporal punishment, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and neglect are as known causes of childhood trauma. Scientific evidence is clear about the foundational stability that children require in their formative years. Um, Neuropsychiatrist Daniel Siegel outlines four S's that children need to form secure attachments to their parents or caregivers. And they are safety, security, being seen, and soothed. Soothed, I'm sorry. I can't read. Soothed. (laughs) When these vital and rudimentary attachments uh, needs are ignored by caretakers, children end up with an inability to process emotions in a healthy way. And it talks about childhood trauma and disassociation. In the face of continuous and extreme trauma, some children quickly learn that their anger responses can subject them to more pain. Consequently, they internalize anger instead of expressing it when they feel powerless against the adults who inflict the pain. And emotional distress escalates to an intolerable level beyond their ability to cope. The human nervous system is wired to protect itself, so it down-regulates to shut off all emotions. Psychotherapists refer to this as disassociation. Zoning out or being on an autopilot can occur to anyone, and there are examples of mild disassociation. You may feel a sense of numbness when it occurs. Disassociation on a chronic basis causes children to become disconnected from their thoughts, feelings, behavior, and sense of self. A child constantly shuts off their emotions to survive growth up to be an adult who struggles to use anger assertively when responding to situations that require constraints such as a play. Tragically, childhood trauma internalized anger may end up making healthy relationships a lifelong uh, struggle for many um, um, individuals. And then there's uh, intergenerational trauma, which was happening in my family. Uh, but this problem does not stop the trauma of the child. Without lived experiences of a safe childhood, children become adults who may struggle to form strong attachments with their own children. Kids do not understand that their caregivers have limitations. The next generation ends up either internalizing or externalizing anger and parents' health to meet their emotional needs. These children often believe they are never good enough. Feelings of low self-esteem, shame, and self-blame not cycle out of them and become a blueprint for how they navigate future attachment relationships. This is what intergenerational trauma looks like. And the one way to break the pattern is to understand and to transform your anger response. And uh, so I think one thing um, presentment is... Um, a lot of times that comes along is um, people that are um, blaming and um, shaming people for um, for being resentful. You know, well, you know, 
it shouldn't be that way or this or that. And, you know, I don't like the should word. Um, I tell people don't shit on yourself and don't shit on other people because it's like shitting on them. <laughs> so I don't use the should word myself. I don't know. It's kind of um, – the thing is to me is where it's talking about um, being abused as a child. It's, it is um, – you know, low self-esteem is really important when I talk about low self-esteem. Um, that's what I had. And uh, um, internalized anger is what I had. Um, anger turned inwards, and it turned into depression. And I was very passive, and I couldn't stand up for myself. I was scared to death of anybody that was anger in any kind of a small way. If somebody was angry at me, angry at me, I got so scared. And it could just be like a boss at work that was like, you know, upset a little bit. Maybe I put something in the wrong place. You know, and it'd be like, why did you do that? It belonged over here. That for me was enough to turn me into a panic. You know, didn't know how to react. Um, constructive criticism, like, you know, well, instead of stacking the dishes this way, you could stack them that way. Oh, my goodness. They're putting me down. And, and I would, you know, it would turn into just this huge thing. And and I didn't know why I reacted that way because it seemed like other people were. You know, so then it comes more shame and blame, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah. Um, you got anything to say with that? Any? Um, I don't, you? but I'll, I'll, I'll invite Philip to comment again. Let's, let me push the buttons. There we go. Philip, yep. would you like to comment again? Yeah, Victoria, like that resonated with me about how you used to get angry when people would ask mm-hmm. you to do things a certain way because that's been making me angry lately. Like, is there anything you have to say about that that could help me? Or that could help the audience, um, everybody? You know, um, just just realize that, um, you know, we all have different emotions and different people express them in different ways. Like, it's learned behavior, you know. Um, it's learned behavior, how we act and react to things. And so if we learned how to react um, or not react, which is basically what I wasn't, I was doing. I was just, you know, go deeper within and suffering from depression. And it's a really, really important thing to take risks and to realize that things are always changing within the outside and within ourselves. And um, just because something is new or different doesn't mean that it's bad. And that was always with me when something was going to change. It was so scary. And everything was a risk. Um, I stayed and I got away from my biological father. I stayed in the house for three years. And I was scared to death to go out. And I wouldn't even go out to the garbage can. I had my grandparents come over, take out my garbage, and bring in anything that I needed for my house um, with uh, my daughter. And she was just small. I had gas in my car all the time. In case, um, in case I'd take her to the hospital. And, of course, I went to doctor appointments and things like that, which, you know, I felt was really needed or anything that she, she needed to do. But um, besides that, I stayed at home because I was so afraid of my biological father. And then, you know, I started going to therapy, and that was, you know, having to go out <laughs> and, and just taking little risks, you know, not going to black down the street. You know, so... 
you know, I think the one big thing is just reassuring yourself that um, you're safe, that this is not the same situation that you're in when you're a child. Um, this is your boss or this is the person just explaining something, you know, a different way to do something. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It goes back to saying that, you know, um, it, it really um, um, affects our self-worth. Knowing that you're a good person, knowing that, um, you know, and a lot of times they'll say you're a really good person and you're a kind person or really appreciate your help. A lot of times we just, you know, throw that back. You know, it's like they might not know we are, but we're like, we're not taking that if they really knew how, you know, what I was like or if they knew I did this or that. They wouldn't think that about me. But you know what? When somebody gives you a gift that's a nice outfit and then you come back with, oh, this old thing, or, yeah, this isn't, I've had this five years, got it at a thrift store, you know, and and it's almost like throwing it back at them. And uh, what I try to say is compliments are like a gift. Somebody thought it, you know, and it's like, like I bought you a present, you know. Today I really thought about the present I wanted to give you, and I wrapped it up and everything to you. And even before I gave it to you, you said, I don't want it. Or you open it up and you said, take us back, I don't deserve it. And that and that's kinda kinda what happens, you know, when we have low self esteem or don't think good about ourselves. But you know, um to continue to tell yourself that you are a good person. You know, you don't have to go in the mirror and go, I love you, I love you, I love you because um you might not feel that way, you know. But, you know, going in the mirror and saying, you know, you did a really good job today. You got out of bed, you got some things accomplished, and I'm just really proud of you, you know? And and just, you know, and everything isn't hunky rosy, but um, it really depends on what we focus on during that day. You know, we focus on the doom and gloom, say, of things that are happening to the day. And I'm not saying don't focus on your child abuse or what's happened to you because that is all very, very important. But we also need to realize that we get to have a good life. And I always say the best revenge is living a wonderful life and acquiring your goals and your dreams and your happiness. Because your abuser does not want you to have those things. And so that's the best revenge, not going after them and hurting them. Because when you hurt them, you lose. And they win. And when you hurt, when you, you continue to hurt from what they did to you, you're also losing and they're still winning. So what you can do to help yourself feel better, which is going, boy, I wonder what I'd like to do today. Just one thing a day that makes you happy or that's fun. Um, and what I do is I go down to my meditation area and I just stare and I look at nature and I see the birds. And uh, I've started to go out and do different things like um, Yesterday I went for a walk and uh, just a couple of books on the street with, with my mailbox and I took pictures of the trees because my grandpa lives in California and doesn't see the change in the trees. So I just had my camera and I said, come on, Marshall, let's go look at the trees. And we'll take, take a video going down the road. And when I got home, I had the video and I sent it to her and I said, Marshall and I went out looking at trees and we filmed it. And then Marshmallow decided to do other things with the trees. Because <laughs> she was peeing all along the way. <laughs> so 
So, I mean, just having some fun, too, you know, laughing at, you know, finding some things to laugh about, finding some things that are amusing. Um, what do you think about that? Is that help a little? Anyone? Well, it made sense yes, to me. Thank you. you. Okay. There you go. Great. Mm-hmm. That helps, hey, Victoria. Thank you. Sure, sure. And then um, different thing that you can click on in this article, which I didn't see that they actually let you click on them. <laughs> um, let's see where it was. I back. I'm trying to find the one that was helped. Okay, Victoria, so your voice going, is getting quiet. Yeah, I know because I wasn't talking. Uh, <laughs> so that's better. That's self development. Okay, so what is self esteem? Self esteem, in short, is the opinion of yourself and foundation to how you interact with others, both personally and professionally. You may identify it with feelings of self confidence, security, identity. Competence and a sense of belonging. All these impact your decision making process. Emotional health and motivation. Some will go as far as to say that healthy self esteem is one of the determinants of an excellence in life. Self esteem develops over many years and is impacted by several factors along the way. Some include age, genetics, disabilities, illnesses, physical appearance, physical and intellectual abilities, and socioeconomical status. However, psychotherapists believe life experiences are extremely important in how a person's sense of self develops. Racism, discrimination, and sexism, for example, could severely stun a person's self-esteem growth as can constant critical feedback from family members during the formative years. Okay, so they just said, uh, you know, uh, constant critical feedback. We're talking, you know, heavy abuse. So healthy self-esteem is, because it's good to know the difference. People with a healthy self sense of self-esteem try, uh, tend to be more motivated and inspired to take on challenges. Also, they set appropriate boundaries to create and maintain healthy relationships in general. Here are some of the qualities that define a person with healthy self-esteem. They are able to move on without dwelling on past negative experiences, leveraging them as learning opportunities. They're keenly aware of the strengths and shortcut, their own strengths and shortcomings, can comfortably express their needs and ask for help, do not consider themselves superior to others, feel confident and have a positive outlook on life, know their boundaries, and are comfortable with saying no. Poor self-esteem. That's quite a bit longer. (laughs) Individuals with low self-esteem are the exact opposite of what is described above. They put other people's needs before their own and suffer failures deeply and intensely. They focus on their weaknesses, frequently experience fear, self-doubt, and low confidence levels. In addition, they also have trouble accepting positive feedback and setting boundaries. They are profoundly challenged by the perceived lack of control over their lives because they believe they are less capable than those around them. This causes them to let others drive important decisions. 
Some individuals with low self-esteem learn to compensate for it by boasting and acting superior to others. People with healthy self-esteem are generally more understated and grounded. Recognize inflated self-esteem as a mask to cover insecurity and low self-esteem. Such individuals may lack the graciousness to take advice from others. Rather, they often undervalue opinions that are contradictory to their own and adopt hostile attitudes towards those with more competence. They may actually harbor such enormous fear of failure and rejection that they camouflage their shortcomings by bragging about themselves and putting others down. Both low and inflated self-esteem can negatively impact all facets of your life, including relationships, career, and health. They lead to mental health problems like anxiety and depressive disorders. Poor self-esteem makes it difficult to pursue goals, maintain healthy relationships, and enjoy a good quality of life. In fact, such individuals may be at an increased risk of experiencing suicidal ideation, particularly in adolescence. And I think it also is a lot from um, child abuse as well. Improving your self-esteem through self-development. Self-development is a process of improving oneself as a continuous lifelong process of self-growth, ultimately leading to self-fulfillment. It can be divided into three sections, skill enhancement, habit creation, and mental conditioning. Skill enhancement consists of developing new skills, abilities, and competencies. These could include goal setting, problem solving, time management, and stress management. Habit creation involves self-awareness or self-discovery. You must first understand where you are in order to make progress. Mental conditioning is a process of building and strengthening your mind so that you can focus on your goals, build a positive sense of yourself, and boost your self-confidence. While you can tackle all these with self-help books and videos, many people find the services of a trained therapist extremely helpful to ensure you remain on the progressive path forward. So working with a therapist, a trained mental health professional can help you learn new skills, gain different perspectives, listen to you, and help you listen to yourself. Therapists can deploy a multitude of scientifically proven modalities to help you improve your self-esteem. The strategies listed above can be accomplished with cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, for example. It highlights the notion that your thoughts impact your emotions, which in turn impact your behavior. Other types of therapies include attachment-based therapies, trauma-informed therapies, experience and humanistic therapies, um, psychodynamic therapies, somatic therapies, system and collaborative therapies. Okay, so then it goes on to say, once your therapist has assessed your situation, he or she will formulate a treatment plan tailored to meet your needs. To that end, the most successful outcomes in therapy come from the quality of the therapist-client relationship. Consequently, you uh, should reach out and interview several therapists before settling on the right one for you. You may ask if they have worked with other clients in similar situations as yourself. This therapeutic relationship must remain compassionate, supportive, and non-judgmental. Select the therapist you feel most comfortable with because the rapport and trust are important in your therapies. So um, I guess we could go back to um, improving self-esteem through self-development. So skill enhancement 
consists of developing new skills, abilities, and um, competencies. So um, maybe we could all um, think of one thing that we could do for either that or habit creation or mental conditioning. Um, I like to um, kind of think about, um, okay, well, here's some things I can do. What's one thing I could do right now of, of those three things? Okay, for me, um, I'm doing new habit creation, which involves self-awareness and self-discovery. You must first understand where you are in order to make progress. Okay, so what I'm doing right now is I'm quitting smoking. And uh, I had to be aware that smoking was not good for my health. Um, I have asthma and COPD, and I can't breathe, <laughs> which... Never seemed to bother me because I've had this for a long time and I also had a collapsed lung and when you had that turn to sepsis and couldn't breathe. Um, and that didn't stop it. So I had to really do what it's talking about is awareness and self-discovery. I look at a lot of different things. One of the other things is I burnt old clothing by smoking. A lot of clothing I really like. Um, I burnt myself. Um, also the money. And that, that just really hit me this um, last month that each pack that I smoke is $10, and that's $10 a day. In 30 days of the month, it's $300. And 365 days a year is $3,650 is literally going up in smoke. And so what I'm doing is I'm cleaning the days that are the rest of the month, and for every day I don't smoke, at the beginning of the month, I'm rewarding myself with money. And I'm going to take the money and $10 bills because it'll look, you know, it'll look a lot more like that. And that's one $10 bill for every day I didn't smoke and put it in a box. And at the end of a year or maybe a little bit longer, because what I'd like to do is go on some kind of a vacation. Or maybe I'll go three months and go on a mini vacation. So... For me, it's really important that when I try new things or I'm making changes in my life, that I give myself rewards along the way. And I quit for 10 days. That's $100. So maybe somebody else could talk about um, how they're improving their self-esteem. What's one thing that you're doing? And it doesn't have to be a big thing. What about I just you want to jump Annie? in there and say, and say how proud I am of you, Victoria. I'm so proud of you. That's a really difficult thing to do, and you're doing it, and you're a role model for a lot of people. Oh, I really appreciate that. Really appreciate it a lot. And, and that's hard um, for me. You were... That's not hard for me. It used to be hard. I was just going to say, it used to be hard for me to accept a compliment, you know, and and now I can say thank you. Like I tell people, just That's say thank great. you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you should uh, yeah, let I'm it help yourself too. Too. Yeah, and I am proud of myself. You know, I'm amazed. I'm totally amazed at myself that that I've yeah. gone ten days because I really didn't think I could. The same way when I'm drinking, I really didn't think I could. I could I could make a month. No way. You know. And when I made a month, I couldn't believe it. And that's how I feel. That's how I felt after three days. I couldn't believe it. You know, it's like, wow, how do you do that? You know, but but there are things that you can do, you know, 
Um, so do you have anything that, that uh, you're proud of uh, making a change recently, Annie, or something you're going to work on to make a change? Something I've changed. I'm a lot more active than I used to be. Um, oh. That has changed a lot. Yeah, I got, I got a job, a part-time job, and it's a very active, physically active job. And so I'm feeling a lot better from, for all the movement. And I've added dog walking every single day to my exercise. So um, mm-hmm. I'm just feeling better because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's two things. I'm six, that's, 67 that's really years because... old, you know. Yep. 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 And and that's the other thing, you know. Um, when we get as we get older too, we could say, well, well, I'm this old. Why change now? You know, I've smoked since I was eight years old, and I'm 61 now. I can't quit. You know, and you can tell yourself that until you're dead in the ground. You know, but yeah. but um, you know, like what I said and what you're saying is that we can. I'm going to start feeling better, so I'm going to start doing this. You know, and again, it's a risk. You know, because we don't know how, you know, we have a lot, I don't know, I have a lot of self doubt when I'm going to try something new. And sometimes that self doubt can stop me. You know, I want to, I wanted to, you know, when I wanted to do some gardening, you know, and I wanted to plant some soils and stuff, self doubt with it, I'll probably kill everything I plant. You know what I mean? It almost stopped me from doing what I wanted to do. And that's the point I wanted to make. And, and so to go ahead with getting a job and actually, you know, going in for an interview and going to work, um, some of us is very, very difficult. And, and maybe other people don't realize how difficult it is. But, um, but when we're around other adult survivors, it's we can support each other. Um, we can um, um, understand um, where a lot of us have come from is, um, very, very difficult to make change, you know. Um, change is a risk. And also I have to keep reminding myself that I have choices today. I didn't have choices as a child. I had choices about, you know, all the leave being used. Or I could stand for myself today. Or I'll go do something I really want to do because I was put down and told I was stupid and dumb and all that, you know. And and so I didn't have the choices I had today. So I keep reminding myself that I'm an adult now and I have choices. And I get to decide and I get to think about what makes me happy and what makes me unhappy. And like I talked about, setting boundaries, you know, saying, you know, no, I can't do that to me. You can't treat me like that, you know. Um, I'm not going to be around you because you treat me badly. As children... We didn't have that option. Some children ran away and ended up running into worse situations, you know. And so um, it, it's really important to remind ourselves sometimes that we do have choices, but also to get support from other people, and that's what we can do here at NASCO. We can support one another for, um, you know, for our strength and to support people no matter what their decisions are. And if they fall down, you know, not say, I told you so, but help them back up, you know. I always say I want to give people a hand up, not a hand out. And uh, as long as we're giving people a hand up and supporting each other, um, that's how we heal. 
And Philip, are you working on anything right now, or have you accomplished something you could share? Um, I'm really proud of the secretary position that I have at my at my NA meeting. Oh. Can you tell us a little more about how how you did that? Well, I had to go to the meeting because I went to jail, so the judge sent me to 52 meetings, but I kept going back to meetings after that. And I was writing with my mentor, and he suggested that I take the position when it became available, so I took it. And I will have had it for a year on January 17th. Oh, fantastic. That is wonderful. You know, doing things like that can... can, um, Boost, um, boost us, you know, and make us feel good about ourselves that we have accomplished something. Um, I can remember when I took a parenting class, and every time when I came home from the parenting class, I felt good about it, you know. I felt that I was making changes. I wasn't going to repeat the patterns that my family had done. I was going to learn how to be a good mom, you know. And I know my grandma... You know, heard that I was taking parenting classes because I was at their house, and she goes, why are you taking parenting classes? And I said, because I want to be a better mom. And she said, well, I never took parenting classes, and you turned out just fine. And I'm thinking, yeah, fine. I'm going to the therapist. I'm going to the psychiatric, you know, hospital. I don't know how to raise my kid. You know, I'm like a numerous mom of other things. And, uh, you know, um, just like nobody thought it was a good idea for me to go to therapy. And they didn't like how I was changing. And basically the way I was changing was I was setting boundaries and saying no and standing up for myself. And sometimes just saying no and practicing saying no with people that that you can trust, you know, um, is really helpful. And uh, if if they know that you're working on that or if they're respectful, um, they're going to accept it. And if they're not respectful of you um, and don't accept it, you don't have to be in that relationship. We again, we have three. I I have a mm-hmm. method of practicing saying no. Mm. And my method is I will turn on the GPS and it'll tell me, you know, turn left and I'll say no, I'm not going to and I'll just keep going straight. Love it. And and I just argue with that GPS, and I'm always right. I just tell it no. It's very cathartic. Yeah. Mm. I like it. Yeah, for me, I, I get lost color sometimes. <laughs> That's okay. You know, I used to get lost all the time because, you know, the GPS makes you little. So we'd be driving along, and we're going somewhere, and all of a sudden, they figure out what takes too long because kind of new. We go to a lot of the same places, you know. And they go, Mom. Are we lost? And I'd go, no, we're just taking the scenic route. And then they both stay together. They both stay together at the same time. We're lost. <laughs> and I'm going, no. Look at all the things we're seeing that we went to see if we went the other way. <laughs> right. You know, and then sometimes we just couldn't find what we were looking for what we had been to 20 times before, and I just say, well, let's take the scenic route home. <laughs> and then we try to figure out how to get home, you know? And then I'd say, 
you know, it's okay to ask directions. So we'd stop at a gas station and then ask directions. I'd write them down, you know. And, and you know, I think it's a, a big learning experience um, if you don't use GPS. Because we found things that we could stop somewhere that was free, you know, like a park or look at things that we had, you know, we went to know about because we're on a different road than we would have been on if we, you know, we're going to the quote right place. What is the right place? The right place is where you're at at the moment. And it, it, if you believe it's the right place at the right time that you're supposed to be at, you're okay. And I have some color books and some crayons when, because I, I really did a lot of things when I first got into therapy and adult children and alcoholics. I did a lot of things that I didn't get to do when I was a kid. You know, like we always had a color inside the line. So I got a coloring book in crayons, and I colored outside the line on every page in the book, and I colored everything the color that it, quote, wasn't supposed to be. And I had the greatest time. The clouds were orange. The sky was pink. The grass was um, brown. You know, I mean, just everything was the color that, you know, if you were, quote, coloring the right way, you were coloring it. And uh, it really made me feel good. It made me feel like, you know, just because other people do things a certain way, it's okay that I'm doing things my way. And it felt, right. you know, that everybody is creative. Just the fact that we all got to today, we've had to creatively figure out ways to survive. And so to give ourselves yeah. credit to get here right now um, and, and really be grateful that, that, you know, I mean, I had a whole bunch of diagnoses and, and done a lot of medication. And, you know, there are many people that, that probably thought I would never, ever be doing as well as I am today. Um, I went back to my psychiatrist years after I'd been going to him for um, multiple personality disorder. And he said, I cannot believe how well you're doing. I mean, he was just amazed. And it it made me feel so good, you know, because, you know, people can put you in a certain category and then that's all they're expecting out of you. And that's really all you expect out of yourself, that that you're not going to change or you're going to stay stuck. So you've got to kind of ask yourself some questions. Do I want to stay stuck? How would I like to be? What are my dreams? And and remind yourself you can accomplish your dreams. You know? um, everything is impossible until you do it. And and that's a quote by I don't know who, but I didn't, I didn't make that quote. <laughs> but I read it, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and I put it in my wallet. I lived by that for a long time. I kept looking at that every day. So if you find a quote that motivates you to make change, Write it down. Put it on the wall. Put it on a sticky note. Um, you know, carry it around in your purse or your wallet. Take it out once in a while and look at it. And keep reminding yourself, even if it's I'm a good person, or the NASCA part of it is I'm a good person with a kind heart. And even if you look at yourself every day in the mirror and say, I'm a good person with a kind heart, that's a step in the right direction. So is there I'm just thinking that, that you're, 
your idea of Wait. paying yourself for every day that you your new habit of non-smoking is successful. Yeah. I was just thinking I could do I could do something like that with maybe pay myself by the mile I walk, you know, say if you walk a mile. Oh, that's a great idea. That's yeah. a great idea. I love it. That way I'll go and that second block, you know? Yes, yes. And then maybe at the end of the week, so what I'm going to do is every week I'm going to try something, try to find something either free or cheap or maybe splurge a little bit and do something and take some of that money and do something nice for myself, something that I want to do, mm-hmm. something fun. Even if it's just going out and having a cup of coffee. Or maybe it's, you yeah. know, going out to the, you got um, a sculpture garden you can walk around in. It doesn't cost anything to do. I just have to get there and get back, you know. But treat yourself once a week with something special that you wouldn't normally do mm-hmm. for yourself and say, you know, I walk whatever miles you walk, you get a treat because you know what? You walk more than you would have if you didn't walk at all, right? That's right. And when we set up um, realistic goals for ourselves, okay, so you could say, I'm going to do a marathon next year. You know, <laughs> a 500 <laughs> marathon. You know, I mean, we can set ourselves up for failure by saying maybe I'll walk an extra block, you know, is, is a realistic goal. And and I really like that you said it that way because we need um, to set up realistic goals and instead of mm-hmm. um, comparing ourselves to others and say, I wish I was there. I wish I, you know, um, I wish I had a million dollars tomorrow. You know, um, that's not going to happen for most of us unless you like win the lottery. But for most mm. of us, you know, to say, by the end of the month, I'm going to have $160 saved if I don't smoke. And that is a large amount of money that, yeah. you know, I went ahead if I smoked. So, you know, every week to find one thing to do to reward myself and say you did a good job. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever your goal is, make it realistic and and reward yourself. And however mm-hmm. you feel... You know, not only reward yourself with like material things, but reward yourself positive messages to yourself. You know, today I really mm-hmm. did, a, did a good job. Like I went out yesterday. I don't usually go for walks either. I went out and I took Marshmallow for a walk. And we didn't walk very far, but it was farther than I walked the day before, the day before, the day before, the day before. <laughs> you know, yep. so I didn't walk yet. Mm-hmm. I need to go up and down my steps. I go up and down my steps downstairs to go out to my meditation area or to do housework or whatever, or flooding is what I call it. Um, but, but to actually go hook up the dog and say, I'm going to walk down to that point and walk back, or I'm going to walk up, you know, and then sometimes I walk up, there's a um, mile-long um, bike trail by my house, but I have to walk quite a ways to get to it, and sometimes I only get to the entrance of it. And then I come back. But I feel good about that because I got to the entrance. You know, if I hadn't went out, I wouldn't even got to the entrance. Sometimes I can walk even farther than that, and it's about halfway down. And I come out on this main road because it's hooked right up to the, the halfway point. And I give Vinny a call, 
if I know he's home. I don't usually go walking unless I know he's home. Then I call my phone, and he comes and picks me up. And it's just amazing. So one time I was out there with my grandchild, and we were out walking, and we, I said, let's go, you know, up to the woods, and, you know, there's some animals out there and nature and this and that. So we get ready to go on into the wooded area, and uh, Luca goes to me, Grandma, are there bugs in there? And they go, honey, it's the woods. <laughs> right, right. Like, what? You know? Yeah, of course there's bugs in there. So we didn't even get a step into the woods when a butterfly came out of nowhere and went straight oh. towards my granddaughter, and she freaked out. <laughs> oh, no. And didn't want to go any further. Yeah, because it came out of nowhere you know and and so I said um, you're okay just breathe everything be okay I said I hear there's deer back in there and and uh, she said well maybe we should go maybe we should keep going and maybe we'll see some nature or maybe we'll see some animals or something and so she went up a little bit ahead of me and all of a sudden I started to beard off you know and she Grandma come here come here come here come here and so I kind of hurried up as much as I could, you know, and went over there. Look, Grandma's there's ducks in here. And and she's down crouching on the ground in the grass, you know, which I'm sure there were plenty of bugs. All about the bugs and was looking at the ducks, you know. And then we were yeah. walking down the path and I said, Boy, there's some flowers over there and it was gonna like not it wasn't down the like um uh, cement area where you ride bikes. It was like a somebody had walked down there, you know. And I said, "Oh, there's mm-hmm. some really pretty wildflowers down there. You know, if you if you want, we can walk down there and pick the wildflowers." Well, that's where the grass was higher, and I didn't know, and more woods, you know, than there was on the bike path. And and she, yeah, girl, let's go pick some wildflowers. So we kind of went into a little more of the wooded area, and it was really really cool. So all of a sudden, we're just doing this, and then we came by this river, and she said, hey, Grant, we go swimming. And, I, and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to go. I'm getting wet, you know? So I'm like, uh, what if we come back another day when we have our swimming suits on and a towel and, you know? Okay. So we kept walking, and all of a sudden, uh, we're kind of in this middle area, and and just um, Grammy, you know how to get out of here? And I go, not really. I go, oh, there's a map. And there just happened to be a map right there, you know. I said, let's go look on the map. And she says, Grandma, do you even know where we are? And I go, yeah, we're right here. See, it says you are here. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, yeah. And she says, Grandma, can you figure out how we get home? And I says, mm, I can tell you this, no. So I'm like standing here thinking I got my granddaughter in the middle of the woods. And I don't want to get home. <laughs> so somebody comes by with a bike. And um, I, I said, can I ask you a question? And she stops her bike. She said, sure. I said, I'm trying to get out of here. And, you know, um, this is where I live, blah, blah. Do you happen to know how I can get back or something like that? And, and she goes, let's go back where you came. And I don't know where we came, you know. And and so I just said, I don't think that'll work. I go, can you get me to the closest road? Oh, yeah, just go straight down this path here. 
and you're coming to the road. And that's what I was talking about. So we get down there, and I go, how about if we call Grandpa? Okay, that's a good idea. And, and she didn't have her phone. I had my phone. And I looked at my phone, and it was at 3%. So this is a learning experience. Next time, you charge your phone before you go out in the woods. <laughs> so <laughs> call him up, and I said, because I looked at the streets before I called him. And I called him up, and I said, we're on, I just, I'm telling you the streets are on because I'm not sure if my phone's going to die. But we're on this street and that street. And I said, say it again. So I did. And he asked me to pick us up. And so he came to pick us up, and I was just, like, feeling so bad. You know, I got lost. I was kind of feeling, you know, really stupid and, and felt so bad that, you know, I thought my granddad got us lost in the woods. And uh, anyway, he was so sweet about it. He picked us up, didn't say nothing like, I can't believe you got lost, or, you know, nothing like that, and took us over to Dairy Queen and, and got us a treat. And that was really cool. You know, it was just mm-hmm. really wonderful. So that's that's an example of somebody that's supporting you. You know, and yeah. and if we look at you know mistakes or if we're um, through something that we're not, um, you know, that that we wish we hadn't or whatever, um, as it's not one article to look at it as a learning experience. You know, so next time I go out to the woods, I have my phone charged before I leave. Mm-hmm. I remember to bring my phone. You know what I mean? It's like things that you do that you might have not done the time before. And so it's all a learning experience. And that, I think, is what's important, too, to reach your goal, is go, okay, I tried it this way. That didn't work the way I thought it would. What can I do differently to have a better result? Does that make sense? Because we yes, lost Philip, so I guess it's you and I talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. We lost Philip, but we uh-huh. still have 19 minutes left. Let me give the phone number again, and perhaps someone will call in. The phone number is 646-595-2118. Give us a call. It's not scary, and you can ask a question or make a comment or whatever you need to do. Please do call. Also, Victoria, if, um, we have 19 having, minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, if you're having a rough time, you can always come in, call into the radio show on these nights that we don't have a guest. And we can talk about anything that you want to talk about. Bring up a topic, ask a question, just let us know how you're doing or let us know what you've been through because we do care and, and we do want to hear from you. And it is important for us not only to share our own stories and our own experience, but um, to hear you too, because you have a voice. We all have our own story, and we all need um, to be validated. And if you would like to share your story, again, like I said earlier, um, go on the NASCA website and um, sign up. And um, we will help guide you through. You don't have to prepare anything. It's not a, you know, presentation of any sorts. This is a laid back show. Right, Annie? <laughs> laid back. Absolutely. <laughs> You're among friends you know, here. Yeah. Yeah. And we care about you. 
And we've been in position. Someone has called been in, position. isn't that wonderful? Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let me welcome this person. And we care about you. And we've been in There you are. Hello. Hi there. How are you guys? Hi there. I called in because you invited us to call in. I didn't realize it was... That's right. Was, was a night without a guest was supposed to be here. But anyway, I'm glad, to jo- I'm glad to join the last little bit. You're doing a great job, by the way. I like the, I like the stories. I heard Annie give the, <laughs> give the suggestion that you can yell at your, at your uh, automatic pilot and it won't care. <laughs> it won't yell back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Say no, that's it. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so you made me laugh. <laughs> so everybody okay? You guys okay? Oh yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I'm know. I'm going why out after the show. You are? I am because a friend of mine is going to play music at a coffee shop and I'm going oh. to go even though it's Past my going to sleep time, <laughs> but it's worth yeah. staying up. It's going to be six thirty. You should have been in bed a long time ago. <laughs> okay, yeah, I go to bed at eight usually. I do. Oh, and I, then do I that get up really early. You yeah. stayed up late then when I was out there visiting you. Yeah. He wanted to talk to you probably. <laughs> I. <laughs> she knows how much I like to talk. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm a little disappointed that so Annie. I'm a little disappointed that some of these guests don't call in. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Annie? Yeah, I'm here. No, I, I thought Bill I was, was talking. That, Were you talking, Bill? I'm trying to, but I'm not getting very far. <laughs> I, um, I'm a little disappointed, I said, in that our guests are not calling in on a regular basis. They, they used to, you know, it was, very, it was very rare that we mm-hmm. didn't have a guest show up, but it's not anymore. we got to fix that. That's not right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. <laughs> Monica is ill, but she says she can't talk. Mm-hmm. She, oh, she, she says her it? throat is bad. Okay, she texted so me. Okay. Yeah. So she remembered. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Annie texted her and asked her why she wasn't on, because um, right. we had started the show. And, and then Annie goes, well, I'll go text Victoria. And then I talked a little bit about now. And then that's when Annie wanted to text her. And that's what we found out. Um, so it would be nice if people would let us know um, ahead of time. Um, if, if it's something they can let us know ahead of time, it'd be very, very helpful. We used to have um, uh, not Victoria, Carol would call people ahead of time. And I don't know if she's doing that. I guess mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did not send her the guests either in the last few weeks, but I thought she already had them. I mean, every time I send 
the list of guests, I send the phone number, so all you got to do is jot it down once, and you'll have it forever. <laughs> oh, that could be. That could be, too. Yeah, because yeah. you're good about that. So anyway, um, I'm um, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not paying attention enough at the beginning of these shows that i got to come on. I want to come on if, if this happens, you know, to support right. people, you, you guys. Mm-hmm. So. Well, anyway, thank you for the invitation to join, Annie. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you came. And anyone else yes. out there listening, we have 13 minutes left, so give us a call and join us. It's 646-595-2118. So, Bill, do you have any input on, we're talking about resentment, and then we talked about anger, and now we're um, talking about uh, positive things, and um, you know that I quit smoking for 10 days, and I'm real proud of myself, and I've gotten a lot of positives. I wasn't telling people at first that I was trying to quit, and then I quit when I had just a few days, because I've done that before, and then people go, I thought you quit. I thought you quit, you know? So now I'm just telling a few people that I feel good about telling you know, right. and um, so I set myself up to get a whole bunch of negative if I don't follow through. Well, I I just don't think you should um, you, that you should pay that much attention to it. You, you need to just be be okay with it now. It's not it's not mm-hmm. brand new, so I don't think you yeah. have to hold on to anything. But you do have to right. let go, and it's the letting go that's you know, the solution for us in all things. So mm-hmm. I'd say, um, you know, know that you're, you're, uh, we are pleased. We, your friends are pleased mm-hmm. and pleased for you, you know, because yeah. we love you. And that's, that's, yeah. you're taking care of yourself. We want you to. So. Right. Right. And I feel, I feel a lot better, you know, and Good. I think about, you know, the act of picking up a cigarette and lighting it and, and the time that I spend to do them with smoking. That's 20 cigarettes, you know. Uh-huh. And it takes quite a bit of time to do that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and so it's a time thing, too, you know. So I'm trying to look at all the benefits at the same time um, that, that, um, that I'm, you know, because it's giving myself praise and, and more encouragement to continue the, um, to be doing healthy things, you know, and this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time, and I've tried, and I've I've just, you know, caved in or whatever you want to call it, but, you know, I also, uh, you know, um, do the 12 steps, and the 10 step for those that don't know it is practice these principles in all our affairs, and, um, you know, it's um, step one, you know, admitted you're powerless, you know, I have this addiction. Or nicot- you know, with nicotine, and right. um, it's you know the same kind of an addiction as it was for me with alcohol and drugs and gambling, and compulsive shopping, and things like that, and uh, um, you know find a solution, and uh, to go down. And uh, when I get to the point of where it says character defects, I have a real hard time with that because to me it's negative. So I change it to coping mechanisms, and this is how I coped for a long time, was by having a cigarette. Matter of fact, um, when I was going to therapy, 
even though in a lot of doctor's offices and different places you could smoke, um, in therapy we couldn't smoke. And the therapist said something like, it's suppressing your feelings. Hmm, interesting. And I kind of carried that in the back of my mind a lot. So whenever I had overwhelmed with feelings, I'd light up a cigarette. You know, so it was like, it wasn't helpful information. Let's put it that way. <laughs> because I was using it as, oh, right. good idea. Thanks. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's not useful to think of it that way, but it is useful right. to think of the, the health uh, uh, repercussions of, I mean, changing, becoming a non-smoker is a, <laughs> you can't do better things for your health, you know, than that. Right. That's it. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I'm talking from my own recent experience, too, because I quit, too. So it's not, right. it's not just, you know, out of the blue I'm saying these things. It's because mm-hmm. I, I believe them. But, you yeah. know, a lot of us did, and, and um, you know, it's okay. <laughs> right, right. Well, we were talking about that earlier, saying, you know, I'm this old and I've been doing all my life, so why change now or I can't change? And if you keep telling yourself you can't do something, then you can't. You won't be able to. Um, that's and that. that's why we're kind of moved us to realistic goals, goal setting. Well, it's, it is so realistic. Are you working on any goals, Bill? Well, I gotta before we leave this topic, I gotta say it is realistic, but it's also very hard. You know, it's very hard, and you deserve a lot of credit. Any anybody out there who's uh, quit smoking or is trying to quit smoking, you know, don't mm-hmm. get disappointed by the first time you try it and it didn't work. You know, like that. Um, mm-hmm. And in the end, I uh, I just I cut down over a long time from a pack a day. To uh, to a half a pack a day, to six a day, you know, to two a day, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and that was that was it. And it seems mm-hmm. pretty silly to cut down from two a day. I don't know, that's all I had. But I, I mean, I I smoked six a day, for example, for you know many weeks before I right. cut down to two a day. So if just uh-huh. be easy on yourself, you know, but be determined, but be easy on yourself. So am I trying right. to do anything? Is that what you asked me? Well, am I you trying have to do anything? Behavior. We have it or yeah. new behavior, and Anna was talking about walking, which I'm really oh, proud I, of. Yeah. I ought to walk. Um, as you know, you know very well because you've come here mm-hmm. a couple of times now that I have trouble, you know, with my walking. Now, it's getting better. It is a lot better. My my, mm-hmm. my foot it doesn't fall asleep anymore, which is a good thing. <laughs> oh, that's that's wonderful. That's very helpful when you're going to walk. <laughs> it is, but my stamina is still not there, not the way it should be. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I probably should I should do some walking that I uh, myself a little more than I do. So, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> well, I I I also don't shit on yourself. It's like shitting on yourself. Uh-huh. But um, right. I, I think it's, uh, um, for me, it's a better way to look at it by saying, I want to, I want to quit smoking or I want to get some more exercise. And I also am starting to walk a little bit and uh, um, out in my neighborhood. And before I go out, I say, I want to go for a walk. 
not like I should go for a walk, but I want to go for a walk. Right, and right. Um, I feel like I'm going out with a different attitude of um, telling myself I should be doing something. Um, yeah. And then, it's, you know, and people will say, you have to do this or you have to do that. You have to clean your house. And when, when people would say you have to do something, my response was, I don't even have to breathe if I don't want to. And I choose I to do that. <laughs> because you, you and I are alcoholics. We do the opposite when somebody says to do yep. something. Yep. <laughs> okay. yep. Well, I'm not doing that. You have to do something. <laughs> and that's why I like yeah. alcoholics and not because there are no rules. The only yeah. rule is having a desire to not do behavior, and that, that's the thing with the quick smoking for me is I have the, have the desire to not smoke, and having the desire to get some exercise, to walk, to have a job, you know, and it's that desire that, that uh, can motivate you and, and help you reach your goal. I can tell you that it's very strong. Uh, the resistance to things that might be helpful for you. My sister killed herself because she couldn't she couldn't listen to me. And I, but you know she oh. she was an alcoholic too. Uh, what not a not a um, an admitted alcoholic, but she was. I knew how she drank and so forth. And um, she was uh, taking care of my mother. She would call me every now and then and say, I can't believe how mom does this and mom does that and how she treats me and so forth. I said, Jane, you know she's going to treat you like that. And what you have to do is you have to say no to her. <laughs> and um, the, the point was that she was very demanding. And Jane had a husband and four kids to take care of and herself, her own you know, house. <laughs> and she couldn't be there at the beck and call of our mom. But that's, our mother couldn't see that didn't care you know it was all about her so i tried to teach her how to say no i said you, you know it's okay to say no even though she's your mom she's our mom you know um you're allowed to say no she couldn't do it and uh, mm-hmm. in the end she got cancer and i'm sure that was directly related to her uh mm-hmm. being treated the way she was and the anxiety and so forth so mm-hmm. i didn't even know by the way that she was that she was sick she called me up uh, and said, uh, is there, I'm in the hospital. I, that's the first I heard of it. She was on her deathbed, literally. And uh, she came to, um, she called me finally um, on the day before she went into the hospice and she lived one more week. <laughs> she was in the hospital, wow. though. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, you know, that kind of happened to my mom. I got... Um, my mom, I had left because she just wanted to look on me, so I wouldn't have no contact with her. She was in Texas, and um, there was a woman there that um, that had con- that knew me through um, Facebook, but didn't you know, like we didn't connect at all. And she wrote to me one day and says, "Your mom is living in my backyard in a small little trailer. She's got her five dogs in there. They got fleas. The place is filthy." She's got a tube in her stomach, and she won't put in the insurance. And it's the middle of the summer, and she's got no air, air conditioning or fan in there. And uh, she's dying. And I'm like, yep. oh, am I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? You know, I'm living off 104 a month and this and that. You know, I can't help her, you know, even right. if I wanted to. Right. So I called my kids, and I told them the situation. And my son said, I'll pay for her to get her. 
And my daughter said, I'll deposit this for her. So they're going to do that. And the doctor said, um, she can't travel. And my daughter says, listen, we've got a lady that's going to take her to the airport and put her on the plane. And we're going, and this is back when you could, we're going and we're getting her off the plane and putting her in a wheelchair, you know, and I'm doing hospice for her. And so that's what they did. And I got to have conversations with my mom before we passed, she passed away. And she made amends to me, and we talked a lot of things out that we never oh. would have done if that woman hadn't gotten a hold of me and if she hadn't come to Minnesota. So, oh, you know, great. it wasn't her idea. She did not want to leave because she had five dogs, and she didn't want to leave them. And uh, the lady that was, she was living in her backyard in that trailer um, found somebody to take the dogs that had a whole bunch of area for them to run. So my mom felt okay right. about leaving, you know. Let so sometimes one, it takes a lot of coordination. Oh, yeah. Well, let me say one thing. The general uh, thing that, that Victoria and I are talking about for, for the listener is um, we, we, we are taught in AA that we have a lot of self-will run riot. We can't, we can't stop doing what, you know, we normally do. We can't say no. We can't, can't hear no, you know. So anyway. Thank you both very much. We're at the end of the show. And, Annie, I really appreciate your putting up with me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bill. Thanks for coming on. We've just got a few seconds left, so I'll say thank you to everyone who has been listening. And thank you to Philip who called in and to Bill who called in and to Victoria who has been our our, uh, co-host tonight. And I'm Annie Marges, one of the co-hosts. And this has been Stop Child Abuse Now, Scan Radio, number 3299. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Annie. God bless. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.